We've just begun the book of First Peter. And uh, Peter's an interesting fellow because he was a fisherman. And being a fisherman, he had kind of come to this point in his life where he was untrained, unlearned, hadn't gone to school. And yet when I go into the book of First Peter, there's things in there. I scratch my head and say, how did a fisherman who was unschooled write something like that? That's difficult for me to understand. And so what I would like to have you to do this morning as I read the passage. And this is going to come up several times in the next several chapters is this. I want you to listen for something in particular, and that's what is precious. You see, the world and even ourselves will try to convince us what is precious. But the reality is the scriptures and Jesus are trying as hard as they can. And through the miraculous work of God and his spirit to really show us what's precious to God. And so as we go through these passages, I want you to look for and listen for what is precious. What does God say is precious? At Christmas time, we went, we visited some friends in Seattle, uh, some some longtime family friends, and and they gave our uh, kids some gifts. And one of the gifts they gave our kids was this book called Where's Waldo. And uh, if you don't know Where's Waldo, it's a book full of pictures, of scenes, full of thousands of people. You look at these pages, there's thousands of of drawn, hand drawn people, and you're looking for one guy. In that whole picture and his name's Waldo and you would think you could find him because Waldo has a bright red and white striped shirt. He's got jeans on. He's got glasses. He's got a stocking cap that's also red and white striped. It looks like he would be set apart, but you really have to search and hunt for Waldo. And you can also look for his dog. And the only part of the dog that you can see is his red and white tail that may be sticking out from behind a cart or somebody else's leg. And so Here they got this book, Where's Waldo? And I sat there on the couch and I hunted and I hunted and I hunted and the the people went off and started eating in the other room and I was still hunting and hunting and they went off and played upstairs and Jason was still hunting for Waldo and his dog because I wanted, I knew they were on the page. I needed to find where they are. And so today, as we're looking in life, well, what's precious? What does God deem as precious? I want it to be like a where's Waldo. There's lots of details, and we should all pay attention to all those things because Peter's writing some deep and heavy stuff that's significant. But the thing I want you to key on this morning and through the book of First Peter is what is precious? What does God say is precious? Now, Peter is writing this to believers who've been scattered about an area called Asia. It's not the Asia that we understand it. It would be modern day Turkey. Okay, so there were believers who have called exiled and dispersed among the area of Turkey. He's writing to them to encourage them about Jesus because they have been being persecuted. At that time, there were emperors and leaders in Rome who were persecuting the church. In fact, Nero, who was one of the leaders at that time in Rome, he was persecuting Christians badly. He had actually helped start a fire that burnt down Rome. And when they came looking for suspects, he was able to get everybody to believe it was the Christians. And so now everybody was down on the Christians and Nero was heading that fight so much so that when they had parties, Nero would light up his parties by putting Christians on stakes and lighting them on fire. He didn't use candles. He used Christians. So these are people who are being persecuted. If you say, I love Jesus, I put my trust in Jesus. Jesus, forgive me my sin. I'm baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You're a Christian. You're then a target. Peter is writing to the targets. You can imagine if you've been undergoing that suffering, those trials, all that's been going on. You've been undergoing literal fire. 
You need some encouragement. You need to know what God finds is precious and keep your eyes focused on that. So let me read through this passage. This is first Peter chapter one, starting in verse three. It says this. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these first words that he adds, blessed be God, the father. Of our Lord Jesus. Well, what is so great that he needs to say bless? Well, let's listen. What's so great about God? It was according to his great mercy, he says, that he, God, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him and though do you though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So did you hear what's precious? Peter starts out and he's saying, look at all that God has done. He deserves to be blessed. Because God has been that thing that has been going and going and going in order to save you. He starts out and says this. It was according to his great mercy. And it was him who caused you to be born again to what to a living hope in a resurrection of Jesus that you and I didn't do. The scripture actually says it was by the power of God through the Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. He did all of that. Ongoing, it says that now he has given you an inheritance and it's being kept for you unfading. It's not going away. Some of you have had your retirement and 401ks and you watch it as it comes and goes, right? That inheritance that you're getting at retirement, it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to have it. But God has said, no, I'm giving you an inheritance and nobody's taking it away. I'm doing that for you. He goes on and says this, that, that, that by God's power, you're being guarded. Your faith is being guarded for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So there's all these things that God has been doing for you. And then he comes to that section saying, you know what? But let's be honest about things. Some of you are going through some real trials. For some of you, even this morning, as we've come and we've lit these memorial candles, that was a real trial for you this year it still is i saw the tears as some of you came down and you lit the candles you may have had a, a funeral service you may have had time at the graveside and yet you still came up and it still is an ongoing trial because we're dealing with things of life and death we're we're dealing with loss of a loved one we're dealing with all those that is a trial there's other things that are going on in your life that cause trials. Some of you, it's a financial issue. Some of you, it's just a deep down discouragement issue. Some of you, the greatest trial that you have in life is sitting right next to you. Now, none of you spouses looked at each other. So that was smart. You see, we have these trials in life. And Peter says, let's, let's be real about this. They're going to be there. 
But almost astonishing in the way that we want to make fairy tales is that God doesn't necessarily take those trials away. He allows us to continue to go through that. And what's interesting is while we were playing, where's Waldo? That is while we were trying to see, well, what is precious? This is what Peter said. What is precious? Is your tested genuineness of your faith. The tested genuineness of your faith that is more precious than gold, even though it is tested by fire. Well, what does he mean right there? Why, why does he say that that is what about your faith is so precious that he should cause us to pay attention to that when it's so hard? That word there is interesting. It says that in, in, in my translation, the ESV, it says tested genuineness. Some of you, I believe it says trials in there, correct? Trials in the King James Version. Other versions will say, and I think it's a really good one, to prove it. That's, that's what it means, to prove it. I don't know how many of you like to bake. I try my hand at baking sometimes, and I'll go into baking recipes when I'm going to make some bread. Now, bread is a really interesting process because I see the ingredients, and then some of y'all, I eat the outcome of, of, of some of the great things you make, the cinnamon rolls or the biscuits and these things. And it's, it's amazing just what's gone on from that, that process. And one of the things that's in, interesting about baking bread is, is at the beginning, they tell you to get a, a warm cup of water, right? And they tell you to, to mix some sugar in that. And then over the top of that mixture, the sugar water mixture, you sprinkle what? Yeast. And then they tell you, wait five, ten minutes. Well, as you wait that five, ten minutes, you come back and you look at that thing. What's going to happen is you're going to, that's called the proof. And the reason they call it the proof is when you put the yeast in there, it needs to be activated. It needs to be put on that warm water and have sugar to start eating it and do it. It's a chemical reaction. You've got live organisms in there that are literally belching and causing bubbles. Okay, what's happening is in the midst of that mixture, those chemical reactions, you are testing, you are proving whether the yeast is dead or alive. It's the proof. And so when we come into the trials of life and we're put into that mixture, maybe it's a, a bubbling pot of boiling hot water of life. Flaming fire, whatever it is that it feels like to you. And you're putting there like, God, why am I here? He says it's actually precious that in the midst of that, you would have that trial in your faith. Why? Because it's proving if you actually have faith. It's proving whether it's alive. A person whose faith isn't real, and by that I mean this. If God has not started a work in your heart, then when trials come, you won't see bubbles. You will get crushed. You will get torn down. There will be no life. There will be a rejection of Jesus. There will be a wandering away. There will be a, 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 a death. Just a continuation of what was. But the scripture says that not only is grace a gift from God, but in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So grace and faith is given to you. And if that's what started at the point when you said, Lord, save me, if that was his work, because he caused you to be born again, as we already read Peter, if that's what he did. man, then when those trials come, guess what happens? It is difficult. 
but the Lord is at work. You don't understand all that he's doing, but he is at work. And what is the point of his work when those trials are happening? What is so precious about our faith being in the fire that the, Peter would say, pay attention to that. That is better than gold. When you're with Jesus, that's how proven you're alive, friends. Why? Because when the testing comes and the other friends fade away and the world disowns you and says, we can't help you. There is one person who will come to your aid and your rescue. Everything else may fade away. There is one who, if he has started a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. It is Jesus Christ. In the midst of that, it is the precious faith that God has given you that will stand the test of time, not just in this life, but for eternity. It is a miracle what God does when he takes dead, lifeless, sinful, wicked, dead people and does a work of grace and faith in their heart. And then he injects us back into life saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you in that fire. And then when that fire comes. There's the proof. It is life is in you. The other thing that begins to happen is this. When we take that proof of the the yeast and the water and the sugar. I don't know about you, but I don't want to drink that mess. That's not why I'm making the thing. It says then that you 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 put it in with the rest of the ingredients, right? And it continues on with the flour and it continues on with the other ingredients. And and pretty soon soon you have this beautiful dough that begins to go and you, you put it in the oven. And you have what was intended, this bread. Friends, if. If there's no test or trial, there will never, ever be growth of your faith. We have this fantasy that if we come to faith, then it's just smooth sailing the rest of the way. Like it's going to be some My Little Pony party. Okay, just easy rainbows and sugar. But the reality is, if we stayed there, we would stay infantile. The Lord needs to cause us to grow. The thing that's going to mature your relationship and your depth of togetherness with, with, togetherness with God is the trial of your faith. Amen. And so the first thing is, it's precious because it reminds you you're alive in Christ. It's all about him. But as you go on, you're going to grow in your faith. Everything else will pass away, but you are going to grow as an individual in your faith. And that is a miracle. Because this said... As a result of your growing in your faith, as that goes and expands, you are not left at the altar saying that prayer. You are going on and living that out in everyday life where your faith is not only going to touch and affect the lives of other people and encourage them towards Jesus. But there is going to come a day when Jesus Christ comes back. And this said. Though you have not seen him, you love him, though you do not see him. You believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He is going to come back one day and all those trials are going away. But guess who's not Jesus? And if you're with him, guess who's not you? And so you are growing until that day when he says, now come home. And it had said in there that at that point. All joy and power and honor and glory, it all goes to him. If I'm just a weak, fragile individual because this precious faith, I just didn't allow it to ever go through the trials and maybe it proved to not be faith at all. 
then how am I going to sit before Jesus when he comes back? And he says, what have you done with the talents that I gave you? Well, I buried it. I didn't want to go through the trial with faith. See, he allows us to grow for that day when we stand before him. That's what is glorious about it's his miracle that was expanding in you. That bread has now doubled. It's Jesus at work in you. You want to know how amazing this is? Long before this happened. Long before Jesus ever came and there was the cross. There were individuals who were called by God, by faith, to be prophets, to go and speak about what was to come. They were looking and they were they, they had been told there is a Christ coming. There is a there is a salvation coming. There is a Messiah coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It was awesome. They wanted to know more about it. And the fact that's what Peter says here as we continue in verse 10, it says concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let me talk about that for a minute, because this says that prophets of old were saying, this is so amazing. We want to know who this Christ is. But what they came to realize, it wasn't for them to know at that time. God said, I'll give you what you need now. Just trust me. Write about me. Speak about me. So they put out these prophecies. One day, Jesus Christ, boom, he's born. He grows. He is put on that cross and sacrificed as the Lamb of God for our sins. He's put into that grave and he comes in glory out of the grave in resurrection. He then goes and he offers to people forgiveness and life so that he also might give us resurrection. That's why we can light candles and say, for those who are in Christ, they will live. That's our hope. But it was such an amazing, miraculous story that the prophets just said, we we long to know about it, but we know it's not just about us. This knowledge is for other people who are yet to come. And guess what? There's some who are coming behind you. Sons, daughters, grandkids that are going to look at you and they're going to watch you in the midst of your trial. And they're going to see, is there proof of life in there? Was there growth? Are they still with Jesus? Is it just about when it's cozy? Or can Jesus really help me when the going gets tough? And the miracle is if Jesus is with you, he will be with you. And the growth of faith isn't that you become some big heroic superstar of faith that people can look up to and adore, but rather that through your life they will look up to Jesus and adore him. It's all about Jesus. That you will get out of the way. It'll be all about him. And you have the opportunity, just like those prophets, to keep investing towards other people. But the miracle is so amazing that I love the end of that. It says that even angels, even angels long to look into these things. It's so precious and so miraculous and so amazing what God has done for you to bring you into relationship that even angels are kind of like, we didn't see this coming. 
You imagine being angels who have literally been in the presence of God around his throne. They see him light and day in all of his holiness. There are creatures going around him nonstop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. They see him all the time. And then suddenly they watch him leave his throne, become a baby to a Jewish young woman. And be born on earth. And they say, we want to we long to look into this. What is going on? Certainly they had some idea, but I don't think they were given the full thing because it says angels long to look in. They are watching and they are just mesmerized by Jesus. And you know what I think maybe most mesmerizing to them? Is how God could love sinners so much. that He would not abandon them, but rather go to them. And he would start something in them. It's this miracle of faith. And how when you come under trials and as those those people back in Asia were undergoing trials and even though they were being lit on fire, that even though there was a trial there, it was precious because it was a miracle that Jesus was coming into their heart and causing a faith that would last them eternity. And angels say that is amazing. It causes us to want to worship Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus. He is everything. So if there's anything that a ministering angel is doing in this room right now, it is this trying to get your eyes on Jesus. And that is the goal of your faith. Jesus. We'll come around one one another. There will be trials and there will be testing. There will be things that will come and prove. And your opportunity to come along somebody might be to say, you know what, I've been through a trial. But quite honestly, there's sometimes when I come up to somebody and I say, what's going on? And they, they tell me their trial, and I have no experience with that. I had somebody just this morning text me and say, I'm in a dark place. I, I just can't seem to get out of this, this situation and think I'm in a dark place. And I hadn't been in that place before. But I know a God who has. What I have to give them is Jesus. I can speak of the experiences I've had, maybe in different situations where faith has been tested and it's, it's proved that Jesus is at work in my life and I can offer that to them. And that is the best thing. I can't tell them to go turn on Dr. Phil and find a fix. I can't tell them to go to get a prescription and that's going to heal everything. I can't tell them just to go to sleep at night and try to forget it about it all. What I can tell them is I know a God who loves you. I know the miracles he's done for you. I can't explain exactly how he's going to do it, but I trust that he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you alone in this moment. If you started a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion until you are that full, big loaf of bread. And so like angels, I long to look into what he's doing in each and every one of us. We have yet to undergo the persecution that those early Christians did. There are brothers and sisters around the world that today are dying for the faith that we're talking about. My friends, I think that day is coming soon. We are watching what we thought was the strength of our society quickly crumbling down. We are watching the world just come and get tumultuous. There are going to be times coming soon where we will have to stand for our faith and there is going to be persecution. And if we are not being built up in our faith right now, then what is going to happen when those days come? Friends, the faith that is being tested in you right now, the proof that's happening to you, that is precious. That is precious. 
at that moment when you realize it is precious, I just don't know what to do or where to go. Here's what the scripture says. That's a good place of humility to just hand it over to God and say, then here you go. I'm just going to trust you. I don't know what else to do, but that's what faith is. I can't see you, but I trust you. There's a hymn that I love called Take My Life and Let It Be. It was written by a guy named Francis Havergal. And what was interesting about um, this man is he was called over to a house one day where there was a, a group of people just needing a bunch of encouragement. I don't know the situation. Didn't explain why. He went to the house. Half of the people who were there were not believers. They didn't know a thing about Jesus. The other half claimed to be believers, but they didn't have faith. It was very much proving that they were. And so Mr. Francis went and he he preached to them and taught them and took them towards Jesus. And he could watch the work that was beginning and also stirring up in them to take them towards Jesus. And and at the end of the time, many of them had given over their lives to Jesus or they had grown in the faith to finally find a steadfast place in Jesus. And and and, and, and this man, Francis, he went to bed and he sat there just in awe and wonder like these angels going, it's just incredible what you have done in these people. And Lord, right now, it's it's just caused me in this place. To realize how much you are to me. And he said this tune and these words begin to go in his head and it, it the words go like this. I'm not going to sing it for you because that'll ruin it. But the words go like this. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and. And use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord. I pour at thy feet its treasure store. And this is the line that he said just struck him. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. This proving of your faith, it's getting you to that last line. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Can you say that? Is there anything in you that's holding back from that? The best place that you could be, the most precious place is through everything that the Lord is doing in your life to lay it down and say, Lord, here's my voice. Here's my mind. Here's my intellect. Here's my money. That last line, take myself. Ever only all for thee.